rethinking date rape. Dan, dad, did his research, his due diligence. He didn't just fly off the handle and shoot up the whole damn frat house. Oh, he wanted to. When he first got the word, when he first saw his daughter, when he first heard the horror story, he wanted to buy an AK-47 on the black market, fill the trunk of his Benz with ammo, drive across the state line, and attack that frat house as though it was a kraut machine gun bunker on the beaches of Normandy. But Dan, Dad, kept his cool did those breathing exercises the therapist had taught him to help with the anxiety that sometimes rolled over him like a 300-pound defensive lineman. He hired a private investigator, gave the slick, wise-cracking sleuth a hefty retainer, told him he wanted names, the filthy, stinking name of every son of a bitch involved. His girl, his eldest, his most precious, the one who had fully and finally taught him the true meaning of love, was a straight-A student, 4.3 GPA, soccer, basketball, and track, peer leader, on the staff at the high school paper, taught Sunday school, counselor at the summer rec program in their small suburban town. A sweetheart, his pride and joy. She got accepted to every college she applied to, including an Ivy. In the end, she chose her dad's alma mater. It wasn't her first choice, but, but she wanted to make him happy. She wanted to make him proud. Driving across the bridge, over the state line, the list tucked away in the breast pocket of his Ralph Lauren feather light jacket, he remembers the day just a few short months ago when he and Ellen dropped off their baby to begin her college career. A magnificent late summer day, high blue sky, a gentle breeze up on the hilltop campus overlooking town, the grass cut short, the hedges pruned, the ivy forest green against the old weathered brick buildings. A distinct aura in the air of new beginnings, of great things to come. He carried boxes up to her second floor dorm room in the Everett building on the old quad. He'd lived in Everett his freshman year. Such a great year, so many new friends and excellent experiences. Pledged a fraternity, drank a few beers, even smoked a little grass. And did some crazy shit. Shit you're supposed to do in college. Not that he ever told his kids about any of that stuff. All that stuff was out the window once he became a parent. Once he had to set an example. Oh yeah, he remembers. But he damn well never did anything like this, ever. Not like this. No way. There were beer bashes in the basement of the frat house, sure. Okay, yeah. And the girls, especially the good-looking girls, they were, you know encouraged to drink, to maybe have a second and a third drink, but that was it. That was all. After crossing the bridge, he turns off the highway and drives north along the river. He's going to do it. Goddamn right he is. He's going to do it. Needs to be done. There are simply times in life when nothing less than an eye for an eye will do the job. Back in September, 
Toting the boxes and lamps and comforters up to the second-floor dorm room, he passed young men on every trip. He joked around with them, told them his name, told them he was an alum in the record books, played football, running back, told them his daughter's name, told them his little girl was extremely valuable merchandise. Not to be touched. Well, those young men laughed and nodded and acted impressed, even though they were thinking, who is this old douche? Well, this old douche is now armed and dangerous. They violated his valuable merchandise, his sweetheart, his pride and joy, his firstborn. The one who taught him the meaning of love and turned him finally from a boy to a man. She had been on campus for a month or so, but hadn't attended any parties yet. At least not any inside parties. She had stood around outside on the lawns of the frat houses and sipped a beer with her new college friends, all of them kind of quiet and shy and slightly intimidated by the noisy upperclassmen. But then on that chilly Saturday night, it started to rain, hard, and against her wishes and best judgment, she allowed herself to get swept up onto the porch and then down into the basement of that frat house where the music was deafening and a hundred or more kids shouted and danced and drank from the enormous punch bowl in the middle of the room. A boy handed her a glass of punch. She sipped it, cool and sweet, didn't taste of alcohol at all. Kind of refreshing, actually, much better than a beer. Parched, she drank it, and then a second glass, too. Within a few minutes, she started to feel dizzy, a little woozy. She thought she just needed air, and so she started upstairs, where the desire to sit, or better yet, to lie down, quickly overwhelmed her. She spotted a dark brown leather sofa in a small sitting room off the dark paneled front foyer and beelined for it. That dark brown leather sofa is the last thing she remembers about that evening. Dozens of times she has gone over the details with school officials, campus police, town detectives, mom, and especially dad, and always that dark brown leather sofa is the last thing she remembers. The truth, of course, is that the attacks remain deeply embedded in her psyche, and no way does she intend to dredge them up. The large quantity of rehypnol she ingested in those two glasses of punch rendered her unfit to defend herself or to fully comprehend exactly what was unfolding as first one boy and then in quick succession two other boys held her legs apart and violated her with hard, quick thrusts. She remembers hearing laughter. Well, now Dan, Dad, has their names in his pocket. The detective paid college kids thousands of dollars to go into that frat house, play dumb, and get those names. He has the names, three names, in his pocket. The boys who answer to those names don't have a clue that he's now cruising up the long, winding drive to the campus in his Mercedes-Benz, 
This well-known alum who still holds the record for most rushing touchdowns in a season and, say some, for scoring the most co-eds in his senior year. He parks and steps out of his long, snazzy black sedan. No, those college boys, just doing what college boys are supposed to do, don't have a clue that the father of the girl they drugged and raped is armed to the teeth with three, count them, three large syringes of pure fentanyl potent enough to send an 800-pound bull moose back to his maker.